I am genuinely excited to be with you this Sunday, sincerely hoping that this message, although challenging and somewhat teachy, will change your heart. But before I even do that, let me at least set the precedent of the possible applications of this message. Because the first thing, I'm gonna be honest with you in saying, you're gonna be like, that ain't for me. And I get it. When we talk about the inequalities of our world, that is not necessarily something that you have uh, maybe perpetuated. But when we talk about the treatment of people who have hurt you, or you feel as unequal to you, then this might apply to you. There is a lot of people in this sanctuary who have learned how to put people on a different level depending on what they've done to you. So I pray that you will take the messages in two ways as we try our best to apply it faithfully. Let us pray together and dive right into the message. Dearly Father, we are excited because we get an opportunity for us to dive into your word today. God, you are gracious, you are merciful, and I, what I do pray is that this sermon is a replication or, let me say, me exuding my inward love for you. But I do pray for the people in the sanctuary. They're not here to check it off their list. This is not a traditional attendance, but this is because we genuinely want, you to, want us, you to speak to us, and our hearts are soft and ready to receive your word because of uh, the God you are and the sacrifice you've made on the cross and resurrection. My prayer is that for everyone in the sanctuary is that no matter where the application fits, the scripture will always stand true that we can try to take things away that aren't there, but I pray we take things away that you are directly convicting us according to your Holy Spirit. God, I love you today. I am thankful for what you're going to do through your word, no matter how many difficult it is to preach. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Um, how many of y'all ever received that phone call? And, and it's an annoying phone call, but you, you pick it up because before Apple and other phones came out with the, the blocker for spam, we all picked up, well, some people picked up numbers they didn't know. That was me, not my wife. She didn't pick up no numbers she didn't know. I did. So you would get this one call and they would say what? I just like to call you about your car warranty. Y'all got that call. You were like, I didn't even get a car warranty. The second thing I want to say is two things. How many of you have ever, uh, I'm, not gonna, I'm not talking about a culture here, even though it's Black History Month. I'm just saying that many of us have done this. So I'm going to talk about two, two illustrations all the way through, so you're going to get why I'm introducing both. Um, how many of y'all have ever done the one where you purchase something, you try it for a day, and you deem it unworthy, and you try to take it back? You've um, hidden the tag in your purchase because you're just trying to see if it's worthy of the continual usage. I'm not saying any of you have ever done that purposefully. I'm just saying that you are trying your best. No, you're stealing. No, 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 not stealing. You're using. But when you return it, you knew that wasn't what you bought it for. So you take it back. And what are you hoping for that whole night? The whole night you wear that suit, shirt, or dress, what are you hoping for? See, some of y'all in here did it. Because <laughs> y'all answered my question, and y'all fell for it. Gotcha. The whole sermon is about sin. Gotcha all. Now let's pray for confession. Well, what are you praying for? That nothing stains snags are nothing. But some of us won't see the stain or the snag until we get to the register. You'll see it, or maybe some of y'all know, but what is your prayer when you walk back into the, in the, in the stove? They don't what? See it. Because you want them to give you the equal value back to your car, correct? So you saying, hey man, I know there's a stain. I don't know how this got here. It might have been here when I bought it. That's a lie. And you... Uh, <laughs> And you slide it over the counter, and you're hoping that she's like, yeah, you know, that happens. And she just scans your stuff and gives you full return. But in reality, you used it. it. It lost value the moment you put it on your body. And many of us have seen people that have lost their value, even though we're trying to get an even exchange. 
that, that many of us in this sanctuary have said, you know what, I want to exchange this person. They, have deva- they are devalued in my life, but I want to even exchange. And God is looking at you as like, whoever said this person was devalued? Whoever said that this one stain, this one area, this one flaw, this one issue means that they no longer hold the value? See, when God scans the thing, he already knows he can clean off a stain. But for some of us, the stain sticks. And if I ask you about people in your life, culture in your life, and I ask you if we go socioeconomic issues in your life, that we have learned that some of these things have been devalued in our life and people don't hold the same equality. What you're going to find in this passage when you turn to Philemon chapter, not no chapter, verse 10, because there's no chapter, it's just one chapter. Verse 10, you're going to find the beauty. If you don't know how to find Philemon, good luck. (laughs) pastor always does something like you could turn to this book and turn back turn to Hebrews and turn back I know how to find it but it's only a couple verses long and right here it says this I want to read verse 10 because it's going to set the premise and I'm going to introduce three characters because you're going to need to know the characters in which I'm referring to because you're going to need to know the value that was lost watch this verse 10 says somebody becomes useless but this somebody is Onesimus And then you have a person that the letter was written to in Philemon. And then you have the person who's writing the letter, which is Paul. All three of these people will matter in the letter, so I just want to give you the premise. Philemon was a church leader. Onesimus was the slave who ran away from his master, possibly because he did something wrong or felt mistreated, so he ran. He ran into a person called Paul. He ran into a relationship with Paul. Paul started to recognize and to save Onesimus. We'll talk about that in a second. And when he saved Onesimus, Onesimus became to serve Paul, Paul recognizing his value that Philemon didn't even know about. It's going to make sense. I know that was a lot of background, but I had to get through it. Verse 10 sets the premise of how Philemon saw Onesimus, but how some of us see each other. Who formerly, watch verse 10, I appeal to you for my child. Who is Paul referring to Onesimus as? A child. That means that Paul led Onesimus to Christ. Therefore, now the same word he used for Timothy, he's now using for Onesimus, despite the fact that Onesimus was just a slave. It's going to make sense in a second. And he says, who formerly was useless to you. Oh, this one's good. I wonder if we go back in history how many times because of the color of skin we have felt like we were only used for. And I wonder how many of us walk on jobs where we feel like we are useless or when we are no longer useful, we become useless. Then I also wonder about the people in your life who were only for a season when we used them to get where we wanted to get. So this isn't a sermon where we exclude and we just talk about black history for 30 minutes. This is a sermon where you start saying, how many people have I said you're useless? You used to serve a purpose in my life. You no longer serve it. Therefore, you are now useless. Onesimus, according to Philemon, he says you were useless to Philemon. Philemon's saying, hey, you found him useless. And why is that? Because you knew only him for his role in your life. You knew only him for his position and his title, which was a slave. You didn't see the man in him. Oh, this one. I wonder how many times as an African-American people didn't see us for the man and the woman in us. They saw us for the color of our skin. They saw us because we presented an opportunity to do a job in which they requested, but they didn't see the image of God in us. See, this is how history gets jacked when we start talking about slavery. If you came to Bible study in the Tuesday Bible study, we start talking about the study of slavery. I'll summarize that for you so you don't get confused. But what happens within this is that some people have said you're only valuable as long as I can use you, but the color of your skin makes you less valuable. So therefore, when we look at history you'll find that people said, hey, because of who you are, no matter the fact that you were made in the image of God, you are less valuable. But let's also talk about this slavery real quick so I can summarize it, which I was going to save it to another point, but I just want to bring up this background so you can have it all. I know it's a lot of background, and pastor said, be careful how much I teach y'all, but today you're going to have to know what the Bible says about slavery before we dig deep. And for my legit Bible study attenders, I'm sorry. Slavery was not what they did to us through cattle slavery, chattel slavery. It's not the same. So before people say there's slavery in the Bible, therefore the Bible is a white man's religion. Slow down. You don't know your stuff. 
Because stealing someone, if you go all the way to Deuteronomy, from another country was illegal in God's eyes. You were not allowed to take a foreigner and use them. The Bible says that was a sin off right, worthy of death. So what they did already is a sin off right. But then if you look at the biblical times, the only reason people became indentured servants or slaves was because they what? They lost a war and they were not killed, so they were put to use. Or they owed a debt and they had to work it off. Now remember, these facets matter. It was never dependent on your race, though. That came through people's sin patterns and using sin to devalue God's image. So therefore, this had nothing to do when he, Paul is talking about master and servant and you seeing him the same and useless. He's saying, how did the fact that you lose the fact that this was a man of God first? How in the fact that you lose that, yes, he is your servant, but he's not just that. He is the image of God. He is my child. He is the one that I know bears the image and also God's salvation through Jesus Christ. How did you lose that? So let's stop and ask the same question to you. How many people have lost their value because they have done something to you? Forgetting that the same people that we devalue are the same people that God put in your life for a reason, number one. Number two, if they are saved or made by God, which is everyone, they hold the same value despite their socioeconomic status or what they owe you. Oh, I put that last little connotation in there for you so that we can stop going up to our husbands, our wives, our dads who weren't there and say, because you owe me something, I don't value you. You're useless to me. We can stop going up to people that hurt us in our past and saying, you are not in the image of God. You can't be because you sinned against me. Therefore, you are useless to me. And God is saying, whoa, wait a second. They're still in my image. So when we do prison ministry, we do it because those people that we say are guilty and all the things that they've done. Guess what? We're saying, no, you're still made in the image and you're still worthy of salvation. But for many of us, the moment somebody commits a sin and gets a guilty verdict, they are now what? Useless to us. So then I ask you, what person in your life, in your heart, despite the color of their skin, somebody who maybe not as worth as much as you, didn't go to school, doesn't talk the same as you, maybe knows a different language, may not be their first language, and we start saying, well, you're no longer useful to me. I wonder when we see people doing the landscaping and we see them working hard and sweat labor and we start saying, you're not on the same value level as me. I wonder how many times we've heard somebody speak a different language and we said, ah, they don't speak English, so therefore they're not the same to me. Oh, it happens. Or let me say it like this, this may sting, is how many times have we reverse racism where we, because of somebody else's history against us, we said, you're no longer useful to me either. But... Let's get back to the point, because right here it picks it up in verse, two, verse 12, just so I can be expedient. And I have sent him back to you in person. He says, verse 12, and I have sent him back to you in person that is sending my very heart. Oh, look at Paul. You got to know Paul's background and know how critical this is. Paul was a Jew of Jews, but also was sent to the Gentiles. So he had to have a total transformation of heart. And the only reason he's sending him back, the word sending back has a very economic base from the Greek word. So what he's saying is I'm sending him back because he's still yours. And since he's still yours, I'm going to send him back. But some commentaries would say he's only sending him back so he can fulfill the Christian duty. Because if you have a problem with somebody, guess what you got to go do? You got to go back. Uh-oh. So even if Paul was doing it for economic reasons, which is supported in the Greek, or Paul is saying, according to Matthew 18, 15, according to all the scriptures, says, don't come to my altar unless you solve the issue with your who? Your brother or sister. So don't come up here talking about I worship God if you ain't solved that stuff with your brother or sister either. So Paul is not just saying one-fold. He's saying two-fold that some of us are approaching the altar of God and you ain't solved the altar in your heart. So he's saying, I'm sending Onesimus back to you, but guess who he's talking to and guess who's talking? He's talking to a person who's supposed to be a church leader, was supposed to know better, was supposed to know that you're supposed to solve your problems as he led a church in his house. Oh, the contradiction. How do you lead a church in your house and devalue the person in which you have in your house? Oh, but that ain't, that ain't, some of us won't even let people to our house if we don't see the value in them. Don't act like we don't have classism. 
Don't act like we don't have people that belong and don't belong. We ain't going to fake it today. We have favorite church members, and we have church members that ain't in your circle. We have people that we get along with, and we have people that don't have the same values, so they're not invited to the same table. That we go out with our friends after church. We don't reach out to nobody else because that is my group. This is your group. We're not in the same group. And if you get in this group, you got to earn your value here. And God's like, wait a second. How do you earn something I gave? I gave that value. I made that person. No matter how much money they have or not. Mm. He said, I'm sending him back. And I'm hoping that he'll solve his duty when he's there because you got to solve your duty, church leader. And guess what your duty is? To forgive and make peace. To create harmony within the body of Christ and you have a disharmony in your own church. So then I ask you, how many people you got to go sent, sent back to? How many fathers you got to go back to? I'm not talking about becoming a father-daughter relationship. He may have jacked that. But at least knowing that that father and that person, that ex, that somebody is forgiven and you have released or you have let them go. And you got to go back and make sure they know that. Some of y'all walking around with a whole anchor and weight around you because you ain't let people go. You ain't went back to solve it. Some of us are runners by nature. We just run from problems just like Onesimus. We're like, I see the problem, but I'm going to run from it. How many of y'all are fleers by nature? I, that's me. That, that is me. If you don't want to talk about yourself, that is me. If I see a problem and I know I can get past it, I won't solve it. I'll just keep smiling in your face because I'm good at it. I'll give you great, up, great spiritual answers. Like, hey, Pete, what's good, bro? Do I mean bro? No. And I don't mean bro. I just mean you. What up, sis? Oh, yeah. hey, what's up? Hey, what's up, sis? No. But how many of us have said the same thing? That we need to go back to people that we've learned to fake it from. Fake it too. Haven't forgiven. And you know how I know you haven't forgiven them? Watch me say their name and watch you cringe. You know how I haven't forgiven? If some, this is the measure I always tell people if you have forgiven or not. Is if they can need something and you'll provide the need. Because you can't hold a consequence. You know what forgiveness really is? I'm off topic, but I'm going to do this. You know what forgiveness really is? Forgiveness is the removal of a penalty. It has nothing to do with your feelings. Forgiveness is commanded, not asked. So therefore, what he's saying is, I remove the penalty so I can see the person. So Onesimus, when he goes home, you need to see Onesimus. You can't see why he ran. You're the church leader. There has to be solving to this. I'm sending him back. But then Paul says something beautiful. I'm sending back my heart. Now, you got to know Paul in order to understand the beauty of that message. The word heart means gut. I'm sending him the person that means the most to me. I don't necessarily want to let him go. So therefore, I ask, how many of you are Philemon and how many of you are Paul? That no matter the socioeconomic status or the debt in which somebody owes you, you still say, that's my heart. I'm like, Pierre, you're opening me up for abuse. And I get it. I can answer that after Bible study or after church today. Trust me, I can do it. I understand that people say boundaries protect and all this good stuff. I get it. If somebody steals from you five times, don't give them your card. I get it. But it doesn't mean they don't deserve to be in your life. It doesn't mean that they can't have your heart. It just means that you can't give them the same privilege. Same level, though. Same image, though. All right. You get it. I want to make sure I line this up. That even if we talk about black history is that that was the problem in slavery, wasn't it? That the, not only did they not see our image that was made in Jesus Christ, not only did they only use us and say it's useless when we got too old to only to kill us and hang us. Not only did they never give us the same rights and that still perpetuates itself today. And you could talk about history and Jim Crow, etc. But on top of that, it took people to say, even though I know the history, you are my heart. See, here's the thing. You can get by somebody and not want what's best for them because they never are your heart. So that means I can say, I hope y'all are free. I hope you make it. Or I can change my heart. And when I change my heart, I want what's best for you. I don't want just what's best for the economy. I want what's best for you. The heart change is what changes relationships. So therefore, even in your marriages, it's not until you change your heart do you change your actions. 
no matter what is owed in the debt that that person owes you. So therefore, even in slavery, it is some people would just say, man, I hope you make it. You're free now. No, no, no. If I was your heart, you would set me up and I'm going to prove it to you. If I was your heart, you would cry and weep with me. If I was your heart, you would break from me. If I was your heart, you would partake in making me free. Hmm. That wasn't history. He said, my heart is sending back to you my gut, whom I wish to keep with me. What is Paul saying? I didn't even want to send them back to you. Oof. Paul, Jew of Jews, is now saying, I didn't even want to send this man back to you because I, first I know, and second, he means that much to me. And I don't care that he was a slave. He means that much to me. So therefore, look at Paul's heart. He's saying, hey man, I don't care what this man's status is. His status has changed. And since his status has changed, he's my heart. And since he's my heart, I don't know if you have the same heart back home, church leader. Why would I send him back to you if I don't think you're going to treat him right? I don't know, man. I, I often wonder how many times God's looking at us like, man, if I sent that person back, would you treat them right? If I sent that person back that needs to be forgiven and loved and become a part of your heart, would you make them your heart? Or would you let them pass or fake it through? I think the ultimate measure is how you love your neighbor is how you know you love God. And a neighbor doesn't mean somebody you agree with. Neighbor means anybody who's in your presence. But you didn't come here for that. He says, my heart I'm sending back. I wish to keep him, though. But why else did he want to keep him? Is because this man was working. Look at this. He working more than you, Doc. Isn't it funny the people who sin the most are the ones who work harder? Because they know that they were forgiven of more. Here's the beauty, is that because some of us have been in church so long, we serve less because we think we deserve to sit in the seat. Onesimus was like, I get to work with Paul. Paul not only saved me, made me his child, and I experienced salvation even though I'm a runaway slave. Oh, let me get to work. And Paul was in prison at this time, so Paul couldn't even move. He was shackled. So if he's shackled, he can't move. Guess who was moving for him? Onesimus was like, I got you. Onesimus was like, I got you. Where else you want me to go? You need me to deliver another letter? I got you. And people have lost that because they forget they were once a slave to sin and now they're free. That we forgot that one day you were enslaved to your drugs, your sex, the things that you used to do behind closed doors, the pornography you used to look at, the clubs you used to attend, the drink that you used to take down, the smoke that you used to have, the weed that you used to get high on. And we forgot that God was like, you're free. And some of us still do it. And he's still trying to make you free through grace that is sufficient for you. But yet, some of us have forgot and since you have forgot that you were once a slave, you don't run like Onesimus. You're over there sitting like Philemon in your church leadership position. Still mistreating people while Onesimus is ready to run back to you to solve it. It's different, right? It's different because some of us just plain out forgot. You know, some of us claim status that ain't yours. Like you didn't earn this junk. You didn't earn your salvation. Your church attendance doesn't make you better than the person who just showed up for the first time. It makes you faithful. Yeah, amen. Your reward's in heaven, but it doesn't make you better then. Stop walking around like you Philemon. You still Onesimus. And guess who is too? Me. So I better get to work. Look, all right. But without your consent, he says, hey, look, whom I wish to keep with me so on behalf of my minister so that me in my imprisonment for the gospel. But without your consent, I did not want to do anything so that your goodness, watch these words, I'm banking on something, would not be in effect by compulsion, but by your own free will. I ain't going to make you treat Onesimus right. That should be on your own goodness according to your own free will. Because if you say who you say you are, guess what you would do? Do what I'm fixing to say next. But I ain't going to make you do it because Paul could have pulled rank. Oh, this is good. It's going to get better at the end. I could pull rank. Yeah, I, I should pull rank. But I ain't going to pull it because you should do it already. Here's the beauty of God's grace. And the, here's the beauty of free will. It takes grace for us to have it. Because if God 
could have wanted to remove free will, but then he lets you have grace so you can choose. That's why some of us choose those dudes and those ladies in your past. You had a free will to do so. And you made some mistakes in your choices, didn't you? But you had free will for that. You know what God's hoping is that his free will, his grace, makes you make the good decision in your free will. Because you recognize the only reason you have free will is because you was given grace. So he's like, man, I'm going to back up and let you have it. Choose. That's on you. I always tell people in Christianity, choosing is on you. Recognizing God's grace is also on you so you make the right choice. But if you don't recognize how much God loves you to give you free will, then you're going to make some bad choices. He gives you the freedom to choose, but he hopes you make the right decision. He may lead you, guide you, give you the Holy Spirit so he can help make that decision. But at the end of the day, it's on you. For perhaps he was deceased, he was a reason separated from you for a while. Oh, man, I wish I had time. Perhaps this was the reason he was separated from you a while. Can I say this for us? No, I'm going to take it. I'm going to snatch it. Hopefully you'll wait. Perhaps the reason why there was a gap is not because you created it. It's so that you could see your own fault. Perhaps the reason Onesimus ran and he hasn't been back to you is because maybe by now you'll treat him better when he gets back here. Perhaps the reason that you've grown spiritually is not so you can grow past people. It's so you can go back to people. Perhaps the reason why there's a gap in your life and the reason why you are the woman you are today and you are the man you are today is because when you go back, you go back different. So it wasn't about you outgrowing people. It was so you grow to go back to people. So the gap in your life that you now sit in this peaceful moment is not so you make this peace keep happening. It's so that you are willing to go through the storm again. But some of us are like, I'm just going to keep steering my boat clear from these people. And God's like, no, I'm directing you to the people. And I'm going to keep blowing this wind until you run into them in the first place. And that's why you keep running into the same person no matter how you steer your ship. Because Paul starts to give him the reason. He says, he, he, you're more than property. He, he, you you got to be. You got to be more than what you said he is. Let me send him back to you. Uh, Kiran says something funny when he was up here. I didn't even have this illustration written down. This is his fault. Certain real African-American brothers and sisters wore their garments today. <laughs> Us. We're in a, we're in a group. We, we, there is elite black people right now. And there's just regular black people right now. You heard what happened last week. We said, wear your African garments, yeah? It's kind of like Trey Dawn. Everybody else was looking fly. And then Trey Dawn over here in Under Armour talking, well, but no, God doesn't hear it. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. Trey Dawn killing it, man. It's my brother. We go way back. Before his knees were bad, he could hoop. And, and Kiran's right. We are in two different sex and class. I'm better than him. He doesn't, he, it's not worth coming to me afterwards to talk. Our brotherhood is diminished. The reason why you're laughing is because you know that's a joke, right? But that's reality. Some people only value people over what they have on and the color of their skin. And we say... Because you're not wearing what I can put on my clothes, because you don't have the socioeconomic status, because we, I am in a group and you're not in it, because of the color of your skin, black people, you can't come in the group. So even though that's a joke, we all laugh, but in reality, that was reality when we walked through slavery. They said the color of your skin doesn't allow you in the group. And what Paul's fixing to argue is, no, 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 you missed it. It was the inside that mattered. The garments didn't. So all y'all, I was just joking about your garments and obviously joking about trade on. But in reality, many people treat people like this. We judge people how they walk into church. Oh, no, nah, man, that ain't it. Shirt, her skirt's too short. I see the tattoos on his forearm. That ain't it. 
So let's don't just say it's black and white. Let's just say it is what it is. All of us have a little judgment in us. He said, I'm going to send them back forever. But watch what he says. No longer as a slave. His value changed. He's no longer property. So even though Paul maybe never said slavery is a sin, which everybody always says, guess what he is saying? He's saved now. So when he goes back, he go back different. He's going to go back and you're going to change his title. So no matter if he has on the garments or not, no matter if he owes you debt or not, no matter if you think he's not worthy or not, no matter if you think he belongs in the church or not, I'm telling you what he is because I know I'm the one to let him to Christ. Paul didn't see, hear me out, Paul didn't see the economic problem in his slavery position. Paul saw a soul that needed to be saved, and that's all that mattered. Ladies and gentlemen, I ask you a simple question. Do people's salvation matter, to, matter more to you than what they owe you? Does the unity between brothers and sisters in Christ matter more than what they owe you? Does the unity in your marriage and your relationships matter more than what they owe you? Because if you do, their status always stays the same. They are now your brother and your sister in Christ. They always have the same value no matter the hurt or pain they may have caused. Secondly, he say, I'm sending him back. But then he gives him the title that I want you to understand. He says this. No longer as a slave, but more, here's the thing, than a slave. It's different. He, here's the thing. People say, oh, he didn't say no to slavery. What he was saying is that, no, no, no. The moment he received salvation, he became more than that. He ain't even on the same level. And if you look at Galatians 3, 27 through 29, it talks about we are neither slave nor master, Jew nor Greek. That when we get saved, it's an equal playing field. The problem with that black history story y'all just saw is that we also know the backstory to some of the history you just saw is that white people use the Bible in this time. I'm not trying to make this white black, but we're going to do black history for a second to further enslave African-Americans, not realizing that some of them said we're just trying to win them to God. The moment they won them to God, guess what he's saying? He's your equal. He can walk around the same, talk around the same. He may not have a money yet, but you need to start treating him and freeing him because he's no longer your slave. Because the last time I checked, you can't be property if you're owned by God. Oh, but they missed that scripture because right here it contradicts everything and every way in which they treated us, didn't it? You can't beat me, rape me, enslave me, stone me, hang me, and then say we're the same. So even if the Bible never said it was wrong, the Bible said slang, uh, hanging somebody from a tree was, beating me was, treating me like property was, and then saying you're evangelizing me and putting scriptures on the top of the church, don't change that because if you really wanted to save me, I'd become more than a slave. I'd become your brother. So let's don't say the Bible doesn't say it. This scripture even contradicts it. But then it also contradicts how we treat people too, don't it? Because the moment somebody gets saved, they become more than just a person in your life. They became your sister in Christ and your brother in Christ. So you can always have the social distancing. For those who are online, you may never be able to interact with people. But guess what? The same people online and same people in these seats, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. We all sit at the same table. And that situation is elevated. That means you now have a responsibility. When I became your brother and I say, hey, bro, what's good? Remember I told you I knew how to fake it in my past. I can't fake it no more. I'm willing to just have a conversation because I know that my responsibility is to tell you if I feel wrong and you're supposed to tell me the same thing, no matter my title or my role. Guess what? Because I had to change. I can't run from conflict no more because I have a responsibility to solve all these problems. Mm-hmm. I... I let me get deeper. He says, you know, more than a slave, he's a beloved brother. The word beloved means that he is of love to you. Here's the difference. He was useless, but now you need to love him. He should be dear to you. Do you get it? What person in your life can't be dear to you that you hold at arm's bay? You know why I tell people real quick before I move on and I move fast? 
You don't forgive people so they can take the same spot. Everybody always gets mad at me. I have no offense to my wife. She was, so me and her used to have the conversation all the time. I'm not asking you to forgive people so y'all can become buddy-buddy by tomorrow. I'm asking you to forgive people so God can do what he can do. It's two different things. You got to let the punishment go so God can move. But if all you can see is the person's punishment, you'll never let that person move. You'll never let God do what he can do if you don't forgive. So even if you don't know the results, that's why people don't want to forgive because they're scared if you forgive, it opens the door to something happening you don't want. So I'd rather hold a reason or a justification for not letting that person become beloved. But the word beloved means dear, kindred, mine, so Philemon, I'm not asking you for just to let him back in your house. I'm saying he finna change status forever. So when he walks back in, he is now your responsibility, not just as your property. He's more than property. He fixing to be your beloved. So then I say, how many of y'all need to let people in so they're not just property in your life, but they're your beloved? How many of us need to love our kids different? This is hard to say, but it's true that sometimes our kids become our burden, don't they? But they're supposed to be more than that, deeper than that. Some of our relationships are broken and we gotta start talking about trauma that has existed between African-American parents and their kids. That some of us are perpetuating a cyclical pattern of just random d discipline without any reason in love and it breaks us. Man, you were blessed with children. But then he tells them how. Especially to me. But how much more to you in the flesh and in the Lord? He a brother to me, and I'm your brother. But I want you to make him a brother. But he puts two connotations on this word. In the flesh and in the Lord. Did you notice that? This slave who probably still owes you something, how do I know that? Because I'm fixing to read verse 20. This slave who, when he comes back, might still have a debt is your brother in the flesh. That means you treat him as he is in the flesh. You can't say, you're my brother in the Lord. I'm still going to treat you as a property. No, 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 no. He's, I want you to change his title on earth and in heaven. So therefore, I say to y'all, I want you to start changing people's titles while we're here, not just waiting until we get to heaven. We got brothers and sisters all over this country, black, white, and Hispanic, and we got to start saying, no, you're my brother on earth, just as it will be in Revelation chapter 7 to 9, where it says all nations and all tongues will worship God. But why do we have to wait till heaven? That's why Acts chapter 2 come from. We sitting here waiting on heaven for all of us to worship again, but God's like, so every tongue, every nation should be able to worship a God who created them all in their image so that we can all stand together. But the problem is, you're only my brother if you look like me. So African American church, yeah, started out of because of people didn't treat us like a brother. I get it. But sooner or later, we're going to have to open those doors and say everyone is welcome because you're my brother, not because of the color of our skin, but you're my brother because God created you in my image, A, and because the Lord has made us that through his blood. So therefore, I'm willing to put my differences aside no matter who you voted for, no matter what person you have on your bumper sticker, no matter what you think about carrying a gun or not, no matter what you feel about this issue and that issue. I just want you to know that you're my brother first, but that means we got to let go of our Afrocentric at times and let people in. This is hard for us now because we've been hurt. You know, I never realized that people were racist until I grew up and started doing my history. You know what they used to say to me? Because I always wore like, my dad had me dressing, act, like he always had me dressing at school like I was at church. I didn't realize how out of style I was till I went back and went over my seventh grade attire and I saw penny loafers. Y'all don't remember penny loafers, do y'all? You had to slip the penny in, like that was legit. I thought I, thought I was fly, y'all. Y'all remember Jenko's? They had the baggy pockets. You know, my dad never let me wear them because he said the baggy pockets make it look like you sagging. Even though it was on my way, so I had to buy regular Jenkos and I tried to starch them, but they were too baggy. Stay flow wouldn't stay that long. It, it's a long story. But then some people used to walk up to me and be like, Pierre, you're not like the rest of them. You talk different. It's called microaggression. 
I didn't realize in that statement alone was racism. You're not like them. You're not like the thug blacks. You're the preppy black. You're the one that could come into my home black. <laughs> Can't date my daughter. <laughs> All right. You can come in though. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm done. But it was true. And I had a name, too. Like, who are you, who are you bringing home? Pierre? They, it was ambiguous. They didn't even know who was coming until I showed up. They're like, oh. <laughs> oh, <laughs> he's going to the birthday party. <laughs> and then I talk, and they're like, he's not like the rest of them. Look at his shoes. He has penny loafers. <laughs> Probably going to church. But watch what he says next. If you, then he says, not only as a brother, but as a partner. This is different. I'm going to change his status twice for you. A partner means we co-laborers. Remember I told you Philemon was supposed to be working in the church? So if you call me a partner, but now he's saved and he's my partner, guess what he is to you now? A partner. It's the same word. In 2 Corinthians 8.23, where somebody who takes part with someone in the work of the Lord. There's so many scriptures where the word partner in ministry is used. We're going to labor together. But watch what Paul is trying to change in Philemon's mind. He don't work for you. He labors with you. We, he's your partner in this now. So no matter what he owe you, guess what? We work together now. It's kind of like when that person you don't like now becomes your coworker. All those problems got to go away because y'all both ain't getting paid if y'all both get fired on the same job. So we got to make it work. And God is saying, hey, how come the church don't function like this where people who have differences don't make it work? Because guess what? Once that person gets saved, they're not only your brother and sister, they're now your partner. They're supposed to labor with you. And the reason why church don't get a lot done, you know why we don't get junk done? It's because we let our personal problems get in the way of the service of God. And we have segments of people who do jobs, and we have other segments who won't work with that group, so we get less done. But the last time I checked, it says this, two is greater than one, because they accomplish more work. But Christianity has become individualistic. I'm going to do my ministry by myself, or just with my girls. But the moment somebody tries to walk into that circle, they owe you something. Man, we're more clickers in Christianity than anybody else. I got another story, and I'll be quick. And we finish with one more point, and I'll be fast. There is this guy, he's tall, has a flat top, not, not Kiron. His name's Shad. <laughs> Don't judge me, y'all, because many of us have done this before. These glasses I got on, I got them at his place. But I didn't pick his place because I really trusted his place. I trusted Rashad. Now, the funny thing about Rashad is he's hypocritical. First, that man don't wear glasses. That's like a person that don't have a car selling you a car like this one good. Stop talking to me, boy. Just let me, let me pick. I've been four-eyed my whole life. Get your old two-eyed behind over there. Rashad be sitting at the desk, and now we all been here. And he's like, I'm, I'm glad he don't work there no more because I would get him fired with this illustration. <laughs> Rashad was looking at me, and he was like, hey, you want the anti-reflector lens? I don't know what he was talking about. And I was like, no. I said no because it costs more. The way my budget set up, we don't get extras. We squint if it don't work. <laughs> so he was like, he, I was like, nah, bro, we good. He was like, all of a sudden, I saw, he's like, don't worry about it. I got something I'm going to fix. I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, he got money. Then all of a sudden, he, he was like, bro, you want the warranty? He was like, I was like, nah, bro, I'm going to take care of him. He was like, nah. I was like, woo, he got power. Next thing he asked me, he was like, you want something else? I was like, yes. <laughs> yeah, I want it all. <laughs> Ring me up for the extra reflectors, and I want them jokers to change and the Gucci and all this stuff. Just give me Gucci shames. Yeah, do it all. 
Because when you have a manager, they're supposed to leverage the relationship so you can get the product. So guess what? Because of our relationship, he was willing to leverage in order for me to see better. And what Paul's fixing to do is leverage his position so Onesimus can see better. What Paul's fixing to do is say, hey, Philemon, I don't know if you know, but you owe me. And since I got the power that you do owe me, I'm going to let it be your free will. But don't forget, you owe me. And when this man come home, he better be treated right because you owe me a debt too. See, here's the problem. We can always talk about equality and making sure everybody's on the same level. We can keep doing that, but you got to fight for it too. You got to use your leverage to get it. And some of us have been put in positions of power, but forgot you weren't once in power. The problem with pulling yourself up by your own bootstrap, you start thinking that was your boot. You start thinking that was your strap, and God's looking at you like, no, 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 no. Don't forget you owe me, brother. So when somebody else needs leverage, you should be using your leverage so they can be equal too. When somebody else needs a seat at the table, you should be starting to say, let me type on my computer so you can get a seat at this table real quick. But the problem is that we so self selfish with the, what God gives us that we forget that we were given that power and leadership by God alone. So yeah, you got your education. Amen. You got your bachelor's that you paid 60K for. Amen. You got all the debt that you created through the, through the college. Yeah. Amen. But at the end of the day, you didn't get through college because God wanted you to hold your own leverage. He wanted you to pull somebody else with you. How do I know that? Watch the next these verses as we close. He says this, but if he was wronged, you in any way or owes you anything, charge that to my account. <laughs> oh, Paul, oh, Paul like the OG. We always talk about gang gang in here. Paul the OG. Paul fixing, the, Paul fixing the pull it. And I love it. Now you charge that to my account. Now Paul in jail. And some of this is economic, meaning like I'll pay it. And that's what I wonder, how many of you are willing to pay for somebody else's what they owe you? Or if they owe somebody else, will you stand by them? When somebody's going to jail, will you go and say, I can, I can do your testimony for you because I know you as a sister in Christ. I know you more than you're guilty. When somebody needs a help getting a job, are we going to leverage the positions we have so somebody can get a job in this church and charge it to our account? Hmm. Nobody should be jobless here. Because we all can have a way of getting our, using our leverage Nobody should be fatherless here either because we should be a father to the fatherless. Leverage your role. But watch what he says. Charge it to my account. I, comma, Paul, am writing with my own hand. I will repay it. Who's going to repay it? Can Onesimus repay it? So if you ain't going to let him be free, I'll pay it. So then I say, if you really want harmony in the church, if you really want harmony with people that hurt you, then you got to start paying some debts. Stop waiting for people to do it. Many of us are waiting on people to ask for forgiveness before we forgive. And God's like, no, you pay it. And you know why you pay it? Because I paid it. The last time I checked, I paid your debt on Calvary's cross. And then I rose three days later to set you free from your debt. So how are you going to leverage your debt? I didn't leverage yours because if I leveraged it, you'd be in hell. So how you got power? Who gave you your position? Who do you think you really are? I, Paul, am writing you with this my own hand. I will pay it. But watch this, what he says at the end, and I'll close here. That you owe me, even your own self as well. Don't forget, you owe me too. Because if you know the story, which I never got a chance in the beginning, I left it here for this point. Paul led him to Christ too. <laughs> oh, the irony. I led your slave to Christ. And I led you to Christ in Colossians. So since I led you to Christ, you should know what now Onesimus knows. So don't forget, you owe me because I'm the one that led you to where you are. If we really want change, you can't just sit there and say, I'm praying for you. That's the problem with today's society. We got a whole bunch of people praying for somebody and nobody doing nothing. We got to start using our accounts. And I'm talking to every ethnicity here. Black, white, or Hispanic. But we also are talking to people that don't stand with us when we hurting. Stop saying, brother, I understand. No, 
If you understand, you're going to start charging that account. If you got a job, you're going to start helping me get the, If you can't get me a loan, I need you to use your help get my loan. You need to use your positions. Leverage what you have. And I'm not talking about a certain color skin privilege. Use your privilege as well. Hmm. You owe me. I just wish you'd use it. At the end of every purchase, I told you I'd get back to these warranties. After they call you for your car insurance, at the, after you buy a product, they'll always ask you something, especially electronic. Y'all seen this little button you can test on Amazon? It says, do you want the warranty? Now, Apple has this product that says Apple Care. Why do I know that? Because I, I, I buy too much Apple products. But because of my stubborn guy in these ways, I don't always do it. I'll say, I'll take care of it. But when you press the button and pay that $29.99, you can go to the store with a totally different confidence. Doesn't matter if it's your fault, though. Like, you could drop it, and they'll say they'll fix it. So guess how you walk into Apple now? You're like, hey, bro, y'all need to fix this. Some of us even know what they'll fix, so you can walk in with even more confidence, don't we? It says right here, under my Apple Care, that if I do this, you're going to fix that. And then they look at it, and you see them sizing it up. No, we get a little nervous because they be sizing it up too much. They might find the fact that you dropped it in the water too, but that's not the point. <laughs> and the guy who probably doesn't even know what he's looking at, he's like, um, yeah, well. And they start typing on the iPad. They, mm, yeah, I see, I see it's not working. And then they take it to the back. But when they come back, they got to do two things. They either got to fix your product if you have Apple Care, or they got to give you a new product, same value. And God is saying, I paid the warranty. Even though you were cheap and couldn't click your own button, I clicked it when I died on the cross for your sins. And when I paid the warranty, now when we paid the warranty, I walk in the Apple store with the same value. I walk into God with the same confidence. But when you walk in with confidence, don't forget, when God returns, he's going to give you the same value. But that's how you got to treat somebody else too. Because the same way you walked in with the same value is the same way God clicks somebody else's button and says they have the same value too. So we're going to walk in this store together as brothers in Christ. Let me get you to understand something. You couldn't click the button. You couldn't work to click the button. Your mouse was broken, but my Jesus clicked it for you. And the last time he clicked it, he paid it for eternity. So every time you walk into the store, you can walk with confidence. But don't forget, he's clicking everybody else's that accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior's buttons too. And you got to start treating people like it. They have the same value. Let us pray.